Hello and welcome to episode 107 of the True Achievements podcast. Rich has got a bit of a poorly throat this week, so he's not here. But we have Jack, as always. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And joining us for the first time, we have new TGN employee, Code Guy, who makes things work. Ollie. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? I'm well yourself. Pretty good, thank you. I'm a little bit coffy myself, might cough, but yeah. I'm but he's managed to soldier <laughs> into the office, make it in. <laughs> Dedication. So, um, if you don't know, Ollie, you've been streaming, so if you've seen him on the Mixer channel, yeah. but I'm sure you'll see him around the site at some point, fixing yeah. books. And... Yeah, posting about bugs and stuff, probably, most probably. That's what I've been doing so far, so yeah. Not that we have many bugs, though. Just <laughs> <laughs> all right jack you've continued your streak i saw you think i think i saw you completed a game this week again yeah i finally completed burnout paradise so i'd done the base game i'd done one of the dlc packs and guy on my friends list um said to me oh you haven't done the other dlc pack and i I'd, I'd actually got the dlc pack and he was boosting a copy of the game the other achievements with some other people he said do you want to get the dlc done i'll help you out with it Nice. So I said, why not? Yeah. But he went above and beyond because I couldn't find a copy of the game on my shelf. I opened the box and it wasn't in there. <laughs> I don't know where it is. It was on Games of Gold, but I somehow didn't download the Games of Gold. So, so he uh, luckily had a spare copy on disc and sent me a copy through the post to play on. Wow, which is what amazing. Nice. So that probably leads into a a question a little bit later on about yeah. the TA community, but yeah. above and beyond. Yeah. Nice. So it's good though. Um, so he sent me a disc and then uh, it was about seven minutes of effort to get all three of those achievements, I think. And I, uh, gave him and some other guys a hand with some of the online challenges, some of the, uh, five player, six player and seven player stuff. So that's pretty good. And apart from that murdered soul suspect, I was speaking about this a little bit last week and how I was planning on stacking it, and that plan has been put into place. All right, okay. About uh, three-fifths of the way through the game. I think I'm playing them in tandem, so I've got my <laughs> Xbox One on. I've got that streaming to the Xbox app on my PC. I've got my Xbox 360 hooked up to my TV. I'm kind of playing through a really short section on the Xbox One, then turning around and repeating it on the 360. <laughs> and it's such a boring game. Yeah, that sounds is, terrible. Is it that detective game you were showing me? Yeah, so the premise is you're a detective, you get pushed out of a window at start and die, oh, and yeah. then you're a ghost. So you're like Bruce Willis in uh, that film, Spoilers. Are um, you just giving it away? What are you doing? Yeah. That yeah, was and... You're basically going around solving murders and crimes and stuff, and everything is a collectible in it. It's just you walk around a corner, there's like four or five different types of collectibles. You've got to collect them all, and I think I'm, I'm at 150 collectibles in each of them at the minute. I've still got probably another 50 or 75 to go, but not having a good time with it. At the minute, it's not too bad. I've only put about maybe six hours in total into both of them so it's probably another hour and a half two hours to actually polish it off get four one thousand in each are you gonna carry on with it are you i think i'll do that this weekend get them done then deleted and purged from my memory i'm liking this uh new jack who's like 
completing games and uh, I know stuff. it's crazy isn't it it's, it hasn't <laughs> happened for years and suddenly I've had a rash of games a bad rash <laughs> <laughs> alright I see you've got one game on your tag this week well two yeah. but I've got the other stream so have you been playing Witcher 3 indeed I've been playing Witcher 3 pretty much most evenings for the past couple of weeks sunk about probably about 10 or 12 hours into it by now uh still only got one achievement but um <laughs> it's one of those games isn't it where it's you know to complete the whole thing probably be several hundred hours so it's a long journey but uh really enjoying it so far actually i can see why it won so many awards i think it won like i think it won like 250 separate uh awards i think it came out 2015 from from right and it is it's it's an amazing game like if you like RPGs, if you're into that kind of game, it's it's just amazing. It's uh, open world. Um, I played Witcher Two quite a lot as well, so it's basically like Witcher Two on steroids, pretty much. It's <laughs> all the all the things about Witcher Two which I didn't really like, which are like the fact that the game wasn't really open world um, have been fixed. So in Witcher Three, you can just go anywhere and do anything, talk to anyone about anything, which is what I like. So, yeah, looking forward to sinking a lot more time into it, hopefully getting some more achievements. I know I've read through the achievement list and there are some fairly easy ones. But, yeah, that's not really the focus for it for me. I just want to get, like, immersed in the world and stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know. And do you think you'll stack it? Because there is a second copy available for Game of Year version which has a second achievement list. Really? Okay. Um, it's exactly the same achievement list, so you'd be doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> game, yeah. But oh. you could kind of doubly immerse yourself. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll do what you're doing, Jack. And, uh, just yeah. play one section and then immediately play it again. Except with a good game, it might be a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, but not for several hundred hours of doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah probably not, to be honest. But... um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, it might fizzle out for me. Like, who knows if I'll actually ever complete it. But at the moment, I'm, I'm loving it. Okay, good stuff. I played a couple of little bits this week. I played Minecraft Xbox One Edition. Crowbomb, who listens to the show, sends in questions. Generally, nice guy. He's, he noticed that our GTSE team was sort of hovering around the elimination mark. So he sent me a message asking if I wanted some help on uh, that game xbox one version and it's like it amazes me do you know when i've played the um the windows 10 worlds and, and it's clear that people have kind of gone into do you know the creative mode or something and and yeah. just kind of piled stuff up whereas he's got this full world where you gotta go over a minute of like mine cart tracks to get to <laughs> one section and then you do the bit and he's got it all there laid out then you come back again it's just crazy how much time he's invested into setting well playing it for fun i imagine because you, you can't do that just for the achievements but he's, he's a nice guy offered to help out so did that pretty quick there was one achievement that's a bit random in it that uh he didn't have set up so i managed I had to spend like an hour just reloading the tutorial world going to a particular vendor to try and get something and then if it wasn't there reloading but got it in the end so happy to finish that one title update another one to go um started minecraft story mode season two episode four i think but literally just uh, we needed the bonus this week in the gtasc was to get a score divisible by a thousand between the two here mm. so i needed a 20g just to get it to match up so that was that and then the game i've been mainly playing is ea sports ufc 3 oh okay 
just saying I'm, I'm number one in England for MMA <laughs> games, the just popping books. it in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I played the other, the previous ones. It's doesn't seem like a great departure from like EA Sports UFC 2. Mm-hmm. There's uh, a couple, they've changed up like the stand-up, like the fighting buttons for the punches and kicking a little bit. It's not crazy different. The main thing, it just seems more polished, you know, like in, in terms mm-hmm. of the presentation of it. If you played any EA sports game, you always know they look pretty amazing. Does it have any enhancements for the Xbox One X? It does, but I've only played it on the X, so it's hard. I'm going, I'm going to play it on the other Xbox just to see, you know, if there's a big difference that leaps out at me. But FIFA was, I noticed FIFA looked a, a bit more polished. It wasn't like a wow, do you know what I mean? Like Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed, when you played that on the one and then played it on the X, it was like a, a clear difference. FIFA was a little bit clearer, I suppose. It wasn't anything major. So I imagine it's going to be something like that, but I'll check it okay. out. But yeah, it's just, just the presentation's better and it, there's more, it seems like the game modes are a, a bit more in depth, more to do, but. You know the story of a fighting game is always going to be you're starting in the little leagues and you work your way up to the top and you become the greatest of all time. That's the same story in like every sports game in it. Uh-huh. So that's that. But got 23 achievements in that, 695 gamer score. The only online ones are quite nice this time because you can do them in a private match. Okay, <laughs> so you can boost them, boost them up. Yeah, right. there's, it, like I, I play, saying that though, I played probably three or four like multiplayer matches and got two or three of them just happened just from hitting buttons. And well, you are number one in the... Yeah, you know. It's got like an ultimate team thing going on in it again, which I didn't like in two. So you've got to open packs to get better fighters, then you unlock moves for them fighters. With so packs. like a team of fighters, is that how... You, does... There's like five weight classes online and then you have to open packs... Yeah. And you'll get a fighter and, you know, obviously bronze to gold, so a bronze mm-hmm. fighter won't be as good as a gold. And then you have to go, uh, like, each of them will have, like, spaces to put in different moves, so you could, you know, add a different kind of kick or something like that, and submission moves, so you can kind of improve those fighters, and then you can add perks to them and all that kind of stuff, which sounds great, but it's like if you don't invest loads of Like I started the other day, you get a free pack to start with, so I've got some little rubbish bronze fighter with no moves unlocked and the first game i played was fighting against somebody who'd obviously invested time and open packs and was doing stuff that i just couldn't counter or do anything against it's like okay this isn't really fun (laughs) it sounds like a similar story to like battlefront 2 and stuff uh where uh you know it's kind of you have to pay if you want to get advantages quickly you know yeah, there's that, I mean, you do, they do these little challenges you can do, you know, like single player, like you can just mess about and stuff, and it like they'll reward you with packs. Mm, but like, it, it. like, yeah, it, like you said, it's going to be like you could spend three or four hours doing these challenges to unlock a pack, or you could spend yeah, or just yeah, just pay two a few quid, quid or whatever and yeah. get a better pack than what you'd get. So yeah, there's definitely that element there, but you've got to get to like a, a ridiculously high level. So I don't think I'll do that. It's like a level 150 or something daft, and it's just going to take. There's one person like that on TN. I think the game's been out about a week now, so... Wow, okay. It's going to take some investment, but that's pretty much it. For me, I lo- that really helps. The, for some reason, the TA scores ratios are really good with that, so that kind of got us through GTSC this week. See how we do for next. Onto the streams, what you've been doing this week, guys. 
So another four games this week. On Tuesday we started off with Vesta. This was a little kind of uh, top-down puzzle game, I suppose. Well, not kind of top-down traditional, but kind of angled camera uh, puzzle game. You played a little person with a kind of container on your back and you could pick up uh, energy. You had to drop the energy off at different switches, uh, open doors, move bridges. And eventually you got a robot, kind of like a partner, yeah. and th that unlocked a few more abilities for you. So with the robot, you could throw the, you could pick up your main character that you started with and throw them across gaps. But the robot couldn't jump, so you'd have to throw your character across a gap, then utilize them, like kind of drop some energy into a switch to move a platform across to get the robot across. And it was basically just about managing the amount of energy you had and trying to progress through the levels. Did have enemies. The enemies weren't really tricky in a sense. Um, the most tricky part was the checkpointing systems. It just a little bit unforgiving, I suppose. Yeah. If you died in a level, it's kind of straight back to the start. And oh, in the later levels, there were checkpoints, but um, you could kind of um, mess yourself up if you got to the end of the level and realised you needed to have all the energy, and then you were pretty much, you know, screwed after that point. So yeah. Yeah, it was quite a lot of backtracking, wasn't it? So sometimes we did get to the end of the level and it was, ah, I've only got two energy and I need three to unlock the door at the very end. So yeah. I'm going to have to traverse back through the level or fall off the edge and restart the level. And you could also, uh, Jack did it a few times, just threw himself into a random part of the level, which we weren't sure if you could, like if you were meant to access that part of the level or not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of walking around on ledges that I definitely shouldn't have been able to get to. But it didn't really give me any advantage because every single level you've got to get the robot to the end and your main player to. Yeah, true. Um, and you've got to have generally, I think it's free energy um, orbs or whatever yeah. they are. But It never told you what they were, so we were just calling it energy, weren't we? But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we uh, Yeah, that's tradition. We skipped every single cutscene we could. <laughs> We uh, we were going for maximum achievements. We did get quite but a few in an hour. Yeah, yeah. We got nine. Yeah, in an hour we managed uh, nine achievements for three hundred and sixty gamer score, which isn't too bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Not bad. After that, we played Aquatic Adventure of the Last Human, which was a well, it's hard to describe what it was. I guess it was a platformer in a sense, but it was it underwater. Was Metroidvania. Yeah, I'd say. Metroidvania kind of game, except it wasn't really. Um, like the combat wasn't the same as a metroidvania game normally is it was kind of because you're underwater um you're a little man in a submarine and you're the last human to exist coming back to earth and everything's frozen over and there are ridiculously huge fish everywhere and stuff so uh you're just floating around for most of it and killing things with uh harpoon um and you can get upgrades for your ship and stuff um, and yeah, like Jack says, it's like kind of like Metroidvania where there's a huge map you can explore um, and you're blocked off from certain places and the progression is kind of killing the monsters and killing bosses and uh, picking up upgrades that let you progress. Um, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Uh, bosses were pretty good. Uh, this, the first boss, it kind of throws you throws you right into the game. The first monster you fight is is the first boss. So it kind of throws you into the deep end, does it? That was a giant worm, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. And it was um, it, it was actually quite tricky, but you could 
cheese it a little bit. If you got the angles right, you could park yourself behind the worm and just keep spamming that your right. harpoon. Yeah, I mean that's kind so of so with your harpoon as well, you could hold the um, A button to charge it up, and it'd get more distance on it. But it did the same amount of damage, I think. So the key for that was definitely to get in close to the enemy and just tap the A button. So the harpoons were traveling shorter distances, but still connecting. That was a valid tactic. It worked well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the second boss was two huge uh, seahorses uh, called the Fathers, who would uh, just constantly shoot baby seahorses out of themselves at you, which was quite entertaining, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, that boss was um, quite tricky. And the, the weirder thing about that one, it kept recommending that we had a lamp for it. Yeah. But it's the second boss, and I don't think you can get a lamp at that point in the game. Yeah. So it's kind we never of, got the lamp, did we? We thought we'd gone wrong, didn't we? I suppose it was kind of a red herring, but yeah, it was, uh, it was it was pretty good though. And then we eventually, after killing that boss, we unlocked a chainsaw that allowed us to get into some more areas of the game that we had already kind of explored but been blocked off to get into. Yeah, and we started to get like uh, ship speed upgrades and health upgrades and stuff. So the game became more forgiving as you got those upgrades. Um, mm -hmm started off i'd say it started off more challenging um and got easier as you kind of progressed at least from the first hour of gameplay cool and um, in that hour we got 45 gamer score in three achievements which uh, is not too bad it's the achievements seem to be mainly tied to uh i think it was defeating the bosses and some kind of miscellaneous stuff um it looks like it's going to be quite a tricky completion though then Thursday, we started off playing Marooners, which is like a Mario Party-esque party game. Um, a lot of uh, it's local co-op online, uh, well, local play and online play as well, up to six people, I think. Yeah. And it was just chaos on screen. <laughs> it was. It's good fun, though. Um, so it literally plonks you down into a little arena or like a tiny little level and there'll be one goal for it so there'll either be loads of gems you've got to collect the gems it'll be a side-on view of a screen with some blocks and you can hit for blocks and it's like dig dug um you'll be running towards the screen and there'll be boulders rolling after you there'll be kind of a totem that you can grab and you've got to grab that and hold onto it as long as possible and then it will get to the stage where it's almost exploding, so you have to pass it off to somebody else. And it's just all these tiny little mini games. It dumps you into the world, and you get like two seconds of an instruction on the screen that's telling you what to do. Um, then it's kind of 10 seconds of figuring out which character you actually are because it's <laughs> difficult to tell. Yeah. Um, the achievements, though, they came thick and fast in this. It was really good. Yeah. Because it got like a chain of like five achievements in a row at one point. Mm. So, yeah. And with the uh, cooperative, we had uh, Ollie's account on as well. So he was popping the achievements as well, uh, which is quite nice. So you can pop achievements on multiple profiles at once. And it definitely, it's a weird game. It was, it's kind of a pick up and play. You'd want to play it for maybe half an hour to an hour at a time. It's definitely not something you'd want to, pour five or six hours into in one go yeah. the list is definitely a doable list though it's kind of win 50 online games and stuff like that but it seemed like you'd be able to boost that yeah quite nicely so yeah if you got in with all your friends you could probably do it 
pretty easily. Definitely. And then in uh, the hour for that, we earned 18 achievements for 280 gamer score. It looked like the kind of game that, that would be great when you come back from the pub. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fun when you can, like, smash your mates off the side and stuff like that. And uh, that's, where, that's where the fun is, like, messing up people you're playing with. Yeah, I think it'd definitely lose a bit of that charm if you were playing online and you couldn't kind of hear the reaction of the person yeah. or quite a lot of excitement like when we were in one arena and it was kind of like a volcano and it was basically knocked the person off the edge and it was ollie and me just against each other and ollie was chasing me around <laughs> the screen and, yeah. and it kind of changed uh phases and i'd be chasing him around vice versa but yeah it yeah, was good fun actually so then i was on my own for the next stream which was mercenary <laughs> king's uh, reloaded. Jack had to go and get his leg looked at. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds like that was the better choice. Looking at how many achievements. You yeah. Got. Did I even get any? Sorry. Did I get one? I don't think I did. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the list now, and um, yeah, lots of them are quite high ratio, but only 52 people have played it. So I guess that's okay. So from looking at the footage of the game, my first parallel I drew, I thought it looked like Metal Slug. Yeah. And we had um, Planting in the stream chat for the game before. And he was kind of chatting about the game because I think he's played it. He was giving me loads of tips, and which was actually really helpful. <laughs> I, I definitely yeah, wouldn't he have said, to do anything um, without him. He said he agreed with my Metal Slug um, comparison in terms of visuals, but he said it's nothing like it at all and you're in for a shock. Yeah. It's more of a Metroidvania kind of game again, uh, rather than Metal Slug, I'd say. But still, it's not really like Metroidvania games as well. It's it's kind of like in between. It's it's quite difficult to describe what genre of game it actually is. A mishmash yeah, of genres. Um, okay. So like you you are on large on a quite a large map, but the large map is like instant. So you have to like go back to a hub in every after every objective you complete. And get a new objective, which might be on the same map you were just on, or it might be on a different one. So it's not like a huge open world. Um, and the combat is not really... I was expecting the combat to be quite like Metal Slug, where everything's kind of like flying around really quickly, and you've got like crazy weapons and stuff. Uh, but it's not really like that. At least from the first hour, I didn't really get any weapon upgrades or anything. It was just like, shoot one uh, missile and try and dodge stuff. Um, you could get upgrades... Um, and there was kind of like a whole crafting system which seemed kind of tacked on. Like, I, I don't know if it was necessary to have that crafting system at all. But yeah, all the enemies you killed dropped uh, materials which you could use to... I think... I can't remember what the upgrades did now, but I think they they did just like health upgrades and, st and so on. I can't remember. Maybe someone else can. But um, yeah, I don't think the crafting system was necessary at all. <laughs> it just, okay. um, and then they drop, it seemed to drop like thirty thousand different things as yeah. well. It wasn't just like you drop one thing; it was like bronze, yeah. helium, or something, and then the brass, and then it's like, and it was like polymer on? and glass and stuff. It's like how many different things? Are there? Just getting down to like really low-level components. Yeah. Isn't it? I, I picked up. I must have picked up like twenty different things, and I came back after completing three <laughs> missions and I still couldn't make anything it's like come on like at least give me something I, I don't know okay so a bit of a uh, bit of an odd one so one you think you'll play uh, again or yeah I'm gonna be playing it every night no 
Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> okay. When I saw it, I definitely thought Metal Slug and thought this could be pretty cool. But yeah, as soon as we started playing it, I was like, what? Going no, on. This is no metal slug. This is not cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it bad. randomly had a Gears of War style reload system as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. Where's this come from? Like, so they've just taken bits that work really well in other games and gone. This would work well in our game because it works well yeah, in exactly. that game. Yeah, it's ridiculous, really. Well, well, at least they tried. I guess I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what did you say? There's 50 people played it on tier. There's probably about 800, but no, none of them have got achievements yet because it just—I I don't know where the achievements came in in that game. Really. Yeah, maybe we're attacked on again. <laughs> Two for finishing the last boss or something. All right, and then next week we are streaming again. We've got Dandara and Die on Tuesday. We've got a bonus stream on Wednesday where we'll be playing Armored Warfare, which is like a futuristic world of tanks style game mm-hmm. that's on ps4 um and then we've got the fall part two unbound and guilt battle arena on thursday the fall part two that i'm interested in seeing that see the achievements are as quick as the first one mm. the first one it was all for hitting collect uh, getting collectibles wasn't it yeah, there was 10 collectors. like it's a game that i wouldn't have probably played if it hadn't been for the achievements so mm-hmm. i'll be interested to see if you pop a lot of achievements quite easy. But I, rem- I seem to remember they weren't like necessarily just straight in the way. They were like quite out of the way and you had to move around and mm-hmm. discover. So, Which is stuff to hope there's a walk for up by the time we get to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's out this week, in it? So you've got like a week to hope that somebody somewhere yeah. discovers it. One person's completed it, apparently, so far. On the... That's oh, a good nice. sign. At least it's finishable. Nice. That's what you want. Site news, we've got the vote for March's TA playlist game going on at the moment. Uh, the choice are DMC Devil May Cry, Fable 2, Halo Wars, and Perfect Dark Zero. So make sure you go in there and get your vote in if you want to play one of those games during March. Normal news, we've got... So we, we published a thing this week, or last week, sorry, Mark did it. Uh, the easiest Xbox achievement list from January 2018. It's going to be a thing that we do each month where we look back and hopefully give you a little bit of a guide where you can go back and see which games are the easiest ones. Mm-hmm. And then, like, not necessarily just completions, but, like, uh, you know, you might be able to get a good chunk of score in a quick time, so we're going to do all that. Uh, I think we're going to do some new additions for next month and give you the option to add stuff to your wish list and stuff like that. To make it a bit easier and price tracking or whatever. So look out for them each month and you should be able to get a good chunk of gamer score this year, hopefully. Midpoint of the month, so obviously the games with gold has changed. It did actually change a day earlier, which was nice. We've got Assassin's Creed Chronicles India, which is like the side on Assassin's Creed game yeah, that is yeah, more, like platformer, of, isn't it? Yeah. more like Prince of Persia looking in it than mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed, but it's free to so go get it and Crazy Taxi which is a game I think I played not even on the Xbox, can't remember, yeah. like PlayStation 2 or something, I guess it was. I think I played that game on the Dreamcast or something. Ages ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, but yeah, it's a fun game, so that's worth checking out. One thing I do think is it hasn't got the same soundtrack as back in the day, which I remember was yeah, a Yeah, I saw some, some complaints about that, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, um, 
Don't forget you can always use uh, is it Groove or Spotify over the top. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's a bet somebody else put a playlist on like Spotify or something that you can yeah. just play and watch. And then uh, if you haven't downloaded it already previously, Shadow Warrior remains free until the end of this month. So go get them free games added to your account if you're a gold member. Uh, achievement list that we picked up this week, uh, the Discovery Tour in Assassin's Creed Origins, which I think is a really cool little addition. So there, were, there was an interview with a guy who sort of has done this mode called Maxim Durand. I don't think my French quite came through properly for the pronunciation. You sounded uh, fluent, Dave. Don't worry. <laughs> He's been working this mode. They were saying that um, ever since the original Assassin's Creed game, teachers and things have been coming to him and saying, you know, like the seeing the town and you know the recreation of the buildings and all that kind of stuff and the just the setting of the game was really cool, but they they couldn't show it. In schools, you know, because you've got the combat going on and the age rating issues and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So they've been asking for this mob for a while and they've finally done it. And it's it's literally there's going to be, I think there's 75 tours in the game. So you go in and the game just goes into like a peaceful mode where people just walk about the daily business. Guards will just kind of wave at you instead of drawing swords and fighting you. And you can go around and, you know, learn the history of the different parts of the world like the sphinx and the pyramids and all that kind of stuff it looks really cool little idea three achievements attached to it coming out next week i think it's the 20th so it's going to be free if you're already on the game and then a, a, there's even a standalone version going to be coming out wasn't really clear one website said it was just on pc and then another website said Xbox One, PS4, PC, and as a standalone, so it's not really clear. I imagine it's going to be just be the PC, though, for people to buy I it. imagine it would. I don't think we've ever seen a a game that, especially if it was standalone on the Xbox, I don't know how they'd tie the achievements to that without having the base ones in there, too. If that well, makes sense. Done, they've done it with um, Goat Simulator, was it? They had, like, the weird difference versions where they had, like, the game just come out on its own, and they had the game with the DLCs, and they had the DLCs as a release together as, as a single game. It was a bit weird, that one. Yeah, they were... Uh, I think they comboed them there, and you always got the base list, didn't you? So I'm not sure. It's a bit, bit weird. It'll be int- definitely be interesting to see how it um, how it pans out, though. But it's a really cool idea as well. It's kind of tying gaming back to more educational purpose, in a sense, and using... Like, gaming pushes technology, like graphics and stuff, again, so much better nowadays. You may as well utilise that in different areas rather than just having it for games, if that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, and I think they've, they've got some like proper historians and Egyptologists mm-hmm. involved, so it's not just... Um... It actually reminds me of, uh, you know, the stuff they were doing in War the Blade, a game we yeah. streamed last week. Yeah, 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 where you got the video stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I think I might just check them out, because that, that kind of period, time period and stuff fascinates me anyway, so I might just go on each of them little tours and just travel around the world, see what's going on, should be fun. Just a reminder, really, if you are, if you've not seen it, and noticed that we're giving away a code this week for Player Unknown Battlegrounds. We've actually got two codes. Somebody else has given me a code yesterday. So just go to the homepage. You should see the advert on the side, and then you can just enter by following us on Twitter or looking at the well, the game hub page or reading the preview we did or something. Just go and do that. Enter, win a copy of the game. It, this was announced last week, but I just thought it was interesting. Uh, so obviously battle royales are like the 
the fashionable yeah. thing to be doing at the moment. Um, there was one announced last week called Fear the Wolves, which is going to be set in Chernobyl. Wow. There's not really a great deal of info around. It's coming to PC early access late this year with a console release planned for some time. Doesn't isn't really clear, but looks quite good. The developers worked on uh, Starker games, if you remember them. So uh, it could be interesting, but let's hope it comes out before the battle royale phase drifts away. Yeah, before the bubble bursts. Yeah, I think. Uh... Mm, I have to get in early. To me, just in my head, I've got like this image of like a, a battle royale set in like the Fallout world mm-hmm. in first person. I think it could be a pretty interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, as right. long as it's, it's like different enough from PUBG and Fortnite, yeah. Fortnite. I mean, it's got to have its own like selling point, if you know what I mean. They have to add a crafting <laughs> system or something, won't they? If they could get the guys from that uh, game earlier on it. You need the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like, yeah, uh, like Fortnite, you've got like the building elements and like the graphics are quite cartoony, aren't they? PUBG's going for a bit more bigger scale with all the vehicles and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting to see where this fits in. Like, I it, suppose this kind of fits in as well. I'd, usually with a battle royale mode, you've got to have some kind of. Uh, pincer i suppose to either push players together or other stuff so on PUBG, you've got the blue zone but yeah. on this if it's chernobyl you obviously got radiation and stuff like that and imagine that'll play a factor i'd just be interesting now i can't see you parachuting into chernobyl that'd be a bit weird wouldn't it so it'd be interesting to see how they start the game yeah, i think people generally like <laughs> yeah. that kind of setting as well like from the success of the fallout games and all the other kind of like post-apocalyptic style games people do like that kind of yeah that kind of environment definitely i'll I'll look out for that more on that one uh sea of thieves if you were in the early access thing they're doing a scale test this weekend so it gives you another chance to jump in the game and play it and also, with the game being a Play Anywhere title, if you want to play it on PC, they've revealed the uh, PC specs. I'm not going to read all the specs to you. If you have a look on the on there, there's a, an image showing it ranging from like playing at 540p, 30 frames per second, right up to 4K, 60 frames. Basically, you could play it on a toaster or a supercomputer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be quite good. But a uh, 60 gigabyte install size, I can see that. So Game Pass, obviously... Games come, games go from Games Pass. There's 12 been indicated is going to be leaving at the start of March. So if you haven't played them already, make sure you get them quickly. Uh, Capcom, Arcade Cabinet, D4, Dark Dreams Don't Die, Dark Void, Flock, Iron Brigade, Joe Danger 2, The Movie, Monday Night Combat, N+, Sega Vintage Collection, Streets of Rage, Sega Vintage Collection, Monster World, Strider, and Virtua Fighter Five Final Showdown. I think there's a thing where if the game's leaving Games Pass, then it's 20% discount instead of 10% discount if you like them and want to buy it. So worth checking them out. There are a couple of games in there, like the Sega Vintage Collection and the Virtua Fighter Five. They're very quick completions, I think. Yeah, so, I think so. I think they're worth having a peek at. No, I've not, I've not played any of them. Man, I'd have to do that. I, mm. There was a sale on last week that was not announced, but somebody found it and posted it on TA, and it was you got a month of Game Pass for three quid, and then you could just keep buying them and stacking them. Oh, wow. 
So okay. I, I got like 18 months, took a while to buy them because he had to buy it, <laughs> then get moved back to the purchase screen again and just keep adding them on, but that, that was quite good. So going to make the most of that. All right, moving on. Back and Pat news, Jack. Yeah, finally some back and Pat. So we had two games set on Tuesday, Mafia 2 and Prey. That's the original Prey. Uh, now back and Pat. And Mafia 2, it's Mafia 2, the Mafia 2 Eastern European version, and Mafia 2 Japan. Nice. I love that game. Mm. You play, I, have you played I haven't actually Mafia played it, but it's on sale this week, so I'm kind of tempted to oh, pick it up digitally. Mafia 2 was... Like probably one of my favourite kind of open worldy games. It was okay. It was done like the story was done like I don't know in like chapters, and it, it just it, like it was just re- once I got into it, it was really immersive. Loved that game, and it's not mm-hmm. that difficult a completion. It's just there's some annoying collectibles at the end that you have to go and do. Is it, so is it, does it play kind of like it. GTA? I've never really heard of um, Mafia Two. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of style, open world, loads of different missions going on, stuff going on in the world. I might check that one out, actually. All right, moving on to questions. So let's go first. Question of the week is from Dave Crow. Uh, to him, TA is about the community, made plenty of mates, helped and been helped in countless gaming sessions, etc. What story about the community makes you proudest, whether you were directly involved or not? So there are a couple of things that jumped to my mind for this. Uh, one of the first ones was the Kane and Lynch leaderboard resets. So this was um, a good moment. It had a couple of sour points, I think, but glossing over those. Um, the base of the Kane and Lynch leaderboards got reset, and it was based on true skill. And true skill, if you log onto a game and if you got killed or lost a round, your true skill would be kind of so far in the negative, you'd have to play hundreds of games to get back up to number one or number, or you needed number one and number two in the world for these online achievements. There were zero pointers as well. But they reset the leaderboards, people figured out they'd reset them and people started, um, kind of worked out a system of how to pass the rank from player one to another player in the kind of minimum amount of time, minimum amount of rounds needed. And there was a big chain of, I think, um, 350 to 400 people on TA that were involved in this big gaming session and just passed the rank to each other. And uh, for the most part, it went pretty well. It was, uh, yeah, it's one that always jumps into my Wait, mind. So they were passing rank one and rank two to each other, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So basically the uh, rank one player would be in the game and then they'd get killed by somebody else. And the higher your rank, um, the more rank passes over to the other player when they kill you. Effectively, this is kind of dumbing it down a little bit, I suppose, but... Um, I'm rank number one, you kill me, you get more points for that behind the scenes. Then you do that so many times, you'll eventually become rank one and I'll drop down to a different rank. There's a way to pass that over efficiently to other people. There's a big chain of people there and about, um, I think, 300 or so people got it, which is quite neat. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All that for two zero-point achievements. (laughs) I I can think of an example. There was a guy who, I can't remember his name now, sorry, who uh, in which game was it? Fight Night Round 4 so there was three weight classes in the game online and there was only one person in the world could have the belt for that weight class mm-hmm. um, and just randomly he was offering gaming sessions where he'd managed to get this belt 
And between like him and maybe three or four accounts, they were just kind of fighting each other and swapping this belt around so that it didn't get taken off them. Mm -hmm. And then through gaming sessions, they'd just let you jump in, win the fight, get the belt and then give it and back. And they would, I don't know, I guess that must have been like 300 odd people were doing that at the time as well, just swapping this belt back and forward. So everybody got that. But he, uh, he was, I thought that was pretty cool, just taking the time out, even though he didn't need to, to actually do that. Mm, Another one yeah. I mentioned before, Dave Crow did that um, achievement for me for Minecraft out the blue. He just messaged me, said, you know, if you need help, mm-hmm. I've got this world set up. There's plenty of examples of... So just a shout out to Fresh Forever as well. He was the chap that sent me a copy of Burnout um, so that I could, uh, <laughs> he could help me boost it and I could give him and his mates a hand with some of the online challenges but that's uh like above and beyond yeah that's that's did he yeah. did he make did he even pay for the postage himself he's paid for i'm gonna pay pay him back but yeah that's crazy i'm that kind but <laughs> yeah no he's he's been really good actually he's even lent me some quite difficult to get hold of japanese games and uh saved me a ton of money i suppose but it's just kind of people in the community you, you meet people through boosting sessions and then like in my head now i've got a list of people that i can just approach and know oh this person will be going for this achievement at some point or this person pro- probably wouldn't mind helping me with this and i think we're a really good community for the most part even if you take out like the extremes like we just mentioned there's every little bit like the people who just write a, a solution to an achievement yeah people taking time out to write walkthroughs like i've written two walkthroughs i think and it's not like a a quick process if you're doing it for like a longerish game like it's quite involved you gotta remember all the steps and you know get mm-hmm. screenshots and videos together and stuff like that it's not a quick thing to taking the time out just to it's a big investment isn't it yeah to do that just yeah. to help other people is awesome but uh, yeah everything like that and there's so many people like most games have got the solutions there ready people mm-hmm. videos it's, written all sorts it's amazing as well though with the solutions obviously people enjoy different games people focus on different games but there's, there's such a big community that if you look at a solution you know the top solution you can look at like 99 percent of the time that's going to be the best way to do it because that yeah. person's invested hundreds of hours in that game they figured out the most efficient way they know what not to do they know what you should be doing and it's kind of a power of the hive mind i suppose yeah then even if a solution isn't spot on you can generally look at the comments and people have commented and kind of gone oh we could improve it by doing this you could do that you could it's it's really good it's just a good community and even things like uh, the general just encouragement you know you see somebody gets a milestone like say that you're that you're on 500,000 gamer score and you see somebody below you who pops 75,000 people still go, you're like, well done, you know, everyone works at their own pace. Well, I suppose everyone's on the same journey in terms of gamer score, or just at different points, aren't we? Yeah. I'm at uh, 5,000. That sounded a bit philosophical, (laughs) didn't it? That was was deep. (laughs) Get that on a (laughs) t-shirt. But you've you've only sort of like been around a little while, Ollie. Have you noticed any thin about the community or your fellow work colleagues or anything like that? <laughs> been around long, as you say. But um, I've been looking at a few of the forums, and yeah, I think it is really, in general, it's a really positive and a helpful community. You've got um, at least from a like development, from being a developer kind of side of things, the the way that people have been posting about 
you know issues they've had with because we've just released the winter olympics contest last week um so people have been just eternally helpful to me and like posting messages to me posting on the forums um you know about things that they think are wrong or things that they think could be improved um and you know that's made my job a lot easier to be honest so yeah yeah the community of Lara is like you know when yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the same for a lot of communities. Never vocal, yeah. but in a good way. Yeah. So, because if we don't know about something, we can't fix it. So, and sometimes you know about it and won't fix it anyway. Maybe <laughs> 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 I'm joking. Uh, right. Next question is from Jesse Hill. He was, he was on a bit of a downer last week on games, I think. Uh, this week, he says games as a service platform for long life have become the buzz around the industry. Can it work, though, realistically in the console market? So many failures on that promise, it seems, already. Destiny, Rainbow Six, etc. I'm not I'm not sure I'd agree with, like, like Rainbow Six is, what, into its third, like, season mm-hmm. of content that they're doing. Um, I wasn't happy with the way that Rainbow Six went, you know, in that, the, from compared to what it used to be to what it is now, like, the little kind of multiplayer game modes that they do for it it seems now but you know if you enjoy that like to get three years of content and updates and new stuff coming then that that's pretty awesome i think isn't it? yeah i think um kind of long life support for a game is always good but with something like rainbow six i can you're always gonna have like a hot, lot of um hardcore people playing it, and i don't know if um if you haven't played for all of the content and kind of seen it evolving and stuff like that if it means as much to you if you just kind of hop in as a casual player occasionally it could potentially be overwhelming if a game has gone through all these evolutions like destiny or something like that (laughs) right with us in destiny yeah stuff's just changed you hop in next month and it's totally different or but games are definitely longer life now yeah it's definitely becoming more of a service it's a game for a generation almost isn't it that's what destiny was supposed to be it's like a seven year game or something wasn't it yeah in general really gate there's always going to be a community for games and it's always eventually going to die out like no, no game is forever so i think um like the whole like approach of trying to make a game as long life as possible isn't necessarily um like the right way to approach things but yeah uh, Fueled one with the rumor of Devil May Cry Five being PS4 exclusive because Sony's funding the game. Why doesn't Microsoft do the same thing for Xbox titles such as? And he's giving examples of Dino Crisis, Onimusha. Um, I think from uh, from kind of comments Phil Spencer's made. Obviously, Sony have a great number of exclusives and. Xbox definitely aren't opposed to getting exclusives, but they're obviously not announcing stuff as early anymore with the whole Dragon Scale. Or is it Dragon Bound? I can't even remember the name of it now. It's so long ago that being cancelled. I think they probably have the the money to fund stuff like that, but is it the correct time to do something like that? And also, would it have the impact? Like, Dino Crisis doesn't seem kind of equivalent to Devil May Cry 5 in my eyes. But the, 
there is examples of them doing it. Like I know, uh, what was the second of the since the Tomb Raider reboot? There was Tomb Raider, then the second one that was Rise of a Tomb Raider that was exclusive for what a year to Xbox. But I think that was basically a situation where if Microsoft hadn't have paid for that exclusivity, then the game wouldn't have been developed. Like it was, there wasn't enough money to do it. So I know Microsoft helped out, and then it it kind of turned out that Harry thought it was exclusive. Then it turned out that it wasn't, and it was limited time. But you don't know if Devil May Cry Five gets done. You don't know if that'll be a purely PS4 exclusive, or if that could end up as a limited time thing. I remember it being uh, kind of very PlayStation um, kind of driven stuff, but I remember Onomusha being PlayStation as well, to be honest. I remember playing that on a PlayStation 2 back in the day, unless I'm thinking what of a totally Omnusha? different I've game. I've never heard of that one. You played a, like a samurai ninja, I think. I could be thinking of a totally different game, just let me search it quickly. I remember Onomusha 3. Yeah, okay. It's a Capcom series. Yeah, and you play like a samurai with supernatural powers. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with Dino Crisis, though. <laughs> I love that game. I used to watch my dad play it when I was like, <laughs> I don't know, six years old. Probably. And would you, uh, would you be interested if um, Microsoft did fund uh, yeah, another probably. Dino Crisis? Why not? Xbox, okay. Do you think it'd be more of an interest because you've seen it before rather than a like a I, I've yeah, definitely I mean, got to um, play this just a, more of yeah, a passing I, interest I, would, I in general I don't um, like buy games based on the fact that they're exclusives or, or um, and, and so on you know I, I buy things that I've, I've you know decided that I like the look of based on what the game is rather than anything else mm-hmm. okay yeah, I definitely couldn't see Dino Crisis being a console console seller, <laughs> but uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> but I think as well, like Xbox has got like the X now, and you know, being the best version of games are on Xbox, so they might not have to push as much, you know. For... Yeah, I I think that's a really good point actually. So they're not actually having to say to people, "Oh, come and develop exclusively for us." It's kind of a conscious decision. Well, the hardware's better. We're going to go here and do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand in terms of them having their own IPs that they need to yeah. build, which they definitely do. But in terms of getting, you know, well-established series and paying for exclusivity of a version, I don't know. I didn't really. It's not I very consumer friendly, is it? Doing that, you know. It's a difficult thing. So you mentioned well-established series. Like that's a massive journey, isn't it? You've got to build a game that captivates people. Then you've got to think of how you could expand that, and it's it's like a ten-year job. Yeah. I mean, they could easily do that with something like Sunset Overdrive. They couldn't they bring that back for a second one? Yeah, definitely. But I mean, in terms of you know, like a series like Microsoft was was criticised quite heavily. I remember at the time for announcing you know the Tomb Raider exclusivity that didn't turn out to be because you're keeping a game away from like half or more of the fan base. You know, who can't play it on another system. So I don't know. It's not very consumer friendly, is it? Saying like I don't know, say FIFA, the next FIFA, saying right, it's Xbox exclusive. You know, and you're cutting off like a massive chunk of people mm-hmm. who enjoy that game. It's not. A great way going about, I suppose. Uh, Next question. (laughs) Thank you. Somebody who agrees with me for once. (laughs) Uh, Next question is from Adam. Uh, With the first look of Sea of Thieves Kraken and the recent success of Monster Hunter World, 
What are your favourite monsters in video games and why? Ooh, so four of some answers for this one. A little bit of preparation. Yeah. Uh, so one of the first things that jump to my mind, it's less of a... It's not on the same scale as a Kraken or one of the Monster Hunter world monsters. But it was the tank in Left for Dead 1 and 2. <laughs> and this was more of a combo of the actual character and the music that started playing whenever the tank appeared. <laughs> but it always just kind of hyped up the tension, put everybody on edge. You were all kind of spinning around in circles looking for where the tank could be coming from, trying to dodge the rocks that he was throwing. And yeah. It's just really good fun, uh, whatever that I was happened. playing Left 4 Dead uh, co-op yeah. with, with some friends online. I remember it was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the funnest zombie ca- kind of zombie games and- I think I've ever played, really. It was even just for Horde, and uh, like when the Horde yeah. <laughs> ran in, uh, you'd have music could start, and you'd have to defend yourselves, get in a corner, and that was good fun. Yeah, the witch though in that game as well, like that used to you know when you hear that the sobbing of it, like <laughs> you'd be like, oh my yeah. god, where but is all it? All the all the like special oh, yeah. types of zombies had such like well crafted uh, characteristics. <laughs> I don't know how you describe it, but they were also like unique, and you knew what you were up against. Yes, it's the smoker that would pull you boomer. in with his tongue, yeah. the boomer that could explode and cover you in kind Attract of bile. I, I think that was my favourite one, to blow up on people. The hunter used to uh, yeah. pounce on you, didn't it? Yeah, knock you over. Yeah. Oh, spring bad memories, I'm have to go back and play that one again. Then something else that was more on the scale. I can't remember any of the monsters specifically because I played it such a long time ago. And it was on the PlayStation 2 with Shadow of the Colossus. And those, the bosses and monsters in that were just on another scale. It was, the boss itself would be like a platforming level. You'd have to climb up to the top to attack it. and it, Like actually climb up the boss itself, climb up their armor. It was just crazy definitely worth a uh, a look if you like and enemies you can pick up scale. the remastered version now so um mm. yeah when did that when was that was that like yeah, a i think it was a couple of weeks ago week? pretty sure yeah um okay. I've, i probably wouldn't pick it up myself because i played the original game i can't remember if i completed it but yeah as you say i think all the all the bosses in that were pretty amazing but the first time I encountered the Brumac in Gears and just the size of that and the like the the rockets on the side and it, like just try to think, oh my god, what the hell is this? Because you know when you play Gears, like the enemies are total bullet sponges, like so even just killing a small enemy was like getting on for a clip and then seeing the size of that and thinking, oh my god, like how are you going to get past this thing and firing all kinds of craziness at you like a. And then you got to ride it in Gears 2, which was nice. So. <laughs> yeah, um, so I picked the Dark Souls Gargoyles. Um, I don't know if either of you have played Dark Souls. I think you have, Jack, haven't you? But you, you don't like yeah. it very much. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah the Bell Gargoyles. The, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah okay, so you, Once you've kind of trekked mm-hmm. through most of the start of the game, it's already been hard enough. And then you kind of arrive at the first real boss of the game, which is two huge gargoyles. And it was less the it was less about the appearance and stuff of the boss, and more just how difficult it was. And I just remember getting ridiculously angry, like, um, 
And, you know, after 40, 50 attempts, I was terrible at the game, uh, self-admittedly, but just getting angrier and angrier. But by the time you beat it, it's that feeling of uh, satisfaction that you get. Just amazing. Well, it was, for me, it was the, you, you're fighting one initially. And then when that, yeah. the HP of that gets so low, yeah. the other one comes down. It's like, well, I've been fighting one. Whoa, now I'm fighting two. <laughs> But similar to Dave's uh, one clip into like a normal enemy, then how am I going to kill that huge Brumac? It's just yeah, doubled exactly. the uh, doubled the effort. But mm. so, Gary, just uh, any thoughts to why publishers rarely discount DLC? For many older games, the DLC may cost more than the game is now used. And then he added a bit more about you know if it was cheaper, at least to get a sale. Whereas full price, he just kind of skips over it completely. So I've jotted a quick note down about this one. And the first thing that came into my mind is that DLC isn't something that can be sold as pre-owned. It's not like a game where you could go and trade it in or whatever. Yeah. So it's a surefire way for them to make a bit more cash. You're almost tied into having to pay that if you want to have the content. So they can set the precedence of a price, I suppose. And again, after the game's launched, it's almost there, like four years down the line, it's going to be their bread and butter of what they're going to get in terms of profit isn't it so if a game's been discounted they're not going to be seeing much for sale from there so they'll want to maximize what they can get from the dlc um, i think looking at the previous sales though dlc is going on sale more and more and you're seeing a lot more discounts on bundles that include a game and some content as well i remember buying discounted um oblivion dlc so you could get i think it was shivering isles and I can't remember what the other one was called, but um, yeah, I was just going to agree with Jack that there is examples of DLC being um, discounted in a way with all the bundles you can buy and stuff. I, I didn't even think about it until you said about the pre-owned thing, but that's definitely true. Like I remember what during the 360 days, not every game got DLC, did it? It was like some of the bigger games, like you get map packing, Call of Duty or something, but now it's like... Everything has DLC, doesn't it? And everything has a season pass. So I, th I think, yeah, I think it's definitely been their way of counteracting used games. And but seeing that a lot of games now are offering like free DLC packs, and like Titanfall Two did it. Just all, all the updates were free. I tend to stay away from DLC unless I really enjoy the game. I'm not one of these people where it's like you know I have to complete every achievement. It's like if I do the base thousand, but the game was rubbish, I'm not buying DLC for it. Like, um, but I know some people have to have to do it all. I tend to just wait for this is kind of a bit opposite of the question, but wait for it to go on sale again. Um, but if it is something that I'm really excited about, I was looking forward to the DLC, then I might go out and get it day one. Like I remember getting some of the Left 4 Dead DLC um, day one. But I think we are seeing more and more discounts, maybe not on the 360 stuff, but it's definitely more common on the but Xbox. As Dave said, we're seeing more and more DLC in general. Like, uh, it was, go back a few years, mm, yeah, or so like maybe 10 that's, years or so, that's and, why you know, it's way rarer for a game to have DLC. Yeah. It's just correlation, yeah. It's mm. a good point, too. Last question this week is from Baconator. Do you think Microsoft will ever announce VR for the Xbox One X? What Microsoft exclusive would you would you be most excited for? I think it is only a matter of time because now developing for the 
look, looking at games that are coming out like Sea of Thieves, they've obviously developed it once, but it can run on the Xbox One X and it can run on the Xbox One and it can run on the PC as well. So they've kind of taken out the step of having to develop for multiple platforms. You've already got VR for the PC. Yeah. You've got VR games releasing with achievement lists over there. So theoretically, that would just be just uh, this is probably simplifying it totally but almost porting it and just making the vr hardware work with the xbox one x so i think that will definitely yeah. come in the Without future doubt, at some I point i'll be i'd love to play sea of thieves mm. vr that'd be pretty fun yeah oh, that'd be good yeah that'd be really fun actually hadn't even thought about that that's a good example I was certain, you know, that with the X releasing and more power, and then I, th- I think when they were talking about the X initially at E3 a couple of years ago, like their Fallout 4 VR was kind of shown during that bit, but then nothing's been announced since. So I'm just not sure they will unless it improves a lot it's, on what it is now because it's almost a bit of a gimmick market of a minute isn't it like yeah, you do have playstation vr but a lot of the stuff on there it's not a fully fledged game it's more of a demo and a showcase of what vr can do and i think when when the x was initially re- announced and they kind of said it's got more power people initially went ah playstation 4 pro had more power and they had vr Microsoft are going to do VR, but it, it's almost like they're waiting for it to mature a bit more if they are going to do anything. Right. And it might not even mature. Yeah, I mean, so. I think they probably learned the lesson, you know, from going all in on like the Connect stuff. And they were shoehorning that into all kinds of games, weren't they? And then. Mm-hmm. Like VR, I could imagine that being like just shoehorned into like, like see a thieves first person. I could see that working, but you could imagine totally that they're going to throw in like a random Halo level <laughs> with a VR yeah. aspects and stuff, or Farza where you can look around and stuff. I mean, I can see it working, but it, I don't see it as like an essential. You almost like see a, it as a shoehorned in or crowbarred in. Yeah, yeah, no, maybe maybe not. Maybe shoehorned or crowbar is a bit hard word. Like, do you know? It may like I can see that if you had VR in Forza, it might enhance it a bit, you know, being able to look around, but it's not going to take away from the fact that you're just driving a car, do you know mm. what I mean? It's it's not going to change it ground breakingly. Yeah. So until there's like a until there's a game that's like, wow, that has to be in VR, mm-hmm. like it won't work any other way. I just don't see I, the I point. I think another, another point is the cost of the peripherals as well, because yeah. at the minute, the VR stuff for Windows, you're looking at, I think it's 350 to 400 pounds for a headset, which is as much as an Xbox One X. Yeah. And it's just as, you can play a very, very limited subset of games on it. Um, our most kind of casual game is going to go out and actually drop the cash on that to play something in VR. Probably not. You need that one game which like has to have VR um, for it to be what it is. And that just doesn't really exist at the mm-hmm. moment. Again, though, like if you have a company and you say, "Oh, can you develop a VR game?" You're alienating all the audience that don't yeah. have a VR game. So, would it be worth their time if you had to have that VR, or would they just develop something that well, could utilize it as well? At which point, yeah. people well, are just going to play it without VR to so. play it in VR, right? I mean, like, that has to be the kicker because mm. otherwise, it's just not going to happen, is it? Have to have that one achievement <laughs> for playing it in VR. <laughs> You've got to have a headset for. <laughs> 
but there was like, well, was it Resident Evil Seven that released last year that had like a VR on the PlayStation? Yeah, and like I, I can imagine that makes the game much more immersive, and you know, like probably pants changingly scary. But I, I think it was with that. You obviously had it changed over to first person mode in that game anyway, so it kind of really heightened the level of immersion. But adding VR into that, I can, I definitely think it'd be kind of almost double immersion. Yeah, so I can see how it works and why people go out and want to play it in VR, but I don't think it's like essential. You can still get a a good score, a good uh, good experience, experience without normally. You know, like I remember you playing it and saying it was really good playing it just on a a TV and headset or whatever, like headphones. So I don't know. They need that game, and like you say, with the user base being so small, is that game going to come? It was the same with Connect, though, wasn't it? Like there was, there was. You either got really poor little kind of party games, mm-hmm. or you got it like used as like an add-on to a game to sort of like add some immersion. But there was never a Con- game for Connect that was like this is amazing and has to be played on Connect. I think for me, Connect was always a bit weird because most of the games were like were Fruit Ninja clones or whatever, or at least the ones I played. And you'd just be kind of wanging your arms around for an hour, and then your arms <laughs> yeah. would be tired. And I'd rather just sit there with a controller for kind of four hours and not get tired. <laughs> I think with VR, it'd be almost mentally exhausting being stuck in it as well, if that makes sense. the world after a while, wouldn't you, really? You'd yeah. like pull off your headset, look at the <laughs> clock, and it's like four in the morning or something, and you just lose more sense of everything. True immersion. Yeah. That's if if yeah. your room's still intact after you've equally wound your arms around and. <laughs> uh, right, okay, that's all the questions this week. Uh, Crobo will get in touch with you and give you a list of games, and you can choose what you want for the question of the week. All right, moving on to new achievements, Jack. Cool. So, loads of lists. Uh, Dynasty Warriors 9 with 44 achievements. Motocross Energy Supercross. Or Monster Energy Supercross, sorry. <laughs> the official video game. Butchered that title. Uh, with 50 achievements. Quantic Pinball, 12 achievements. Uh, the Fall 2 Unbound, 37 achievements. So, way more than the first Fall game. That only had 10. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, with 12 achievements and I think this was the EA Indie title a lot of people yeah. were kind of raving about it it looked almost like a bit of an answer to Ori and the Blind Forest yeah. visually to me um, Malacca with 14 achievements Claybook with 10 achievements Claybook's actually on game preview at the minute so yeah. this is some more confirmation that game preview games can have achievements. <laughs> uh, I know there's a bit of discussion about that in one of the previous podcasts. Um, the story goes on with 29 achievements. I expect you to die on Windows 10 with 11 achievements. Premium Paul Arena with 23 achievements. Bridge Constructor Portal with 16 achievements. And ACA Neo Geo, the last Blade 2. So the first Last Blade wasn't the last Blade. <laughs> with 12 <laughs> achievements. And DLC-wise, we've had Modern Age and Atomic Age in Battle Ages as two separate DLCs with one achievement each for 50 gamer score, and the Discovery Tour stuff in Assassin's Creed Origins with three achievements for 30. 30 gamer score, that's annoying that, isn't it? Why not make it 50? I'm wondering if they'll add more Discovery stuff in the future and tack in more achievements to keep people coming back for it. Yeah. Mm. 
Right, so look at what's coming our way this week. So we've got Fee or Vey or whatever it's called coming out today. Looks quite interesting. That like, actually like a like a purple Ori in the Blind Forest. From what I've seen, we got uh, next week. We got that Atomic Age DLC that you just mentioned. Discovery Tour on Tuesday. Uh, the Station Premium Pool Arena Metal Gear Survive. Is that one you're interested in, Jack? I know you've had a bit of a Metal Gear splurge at the moment. Um, I'm not too sure to be honest. It's a bit of a jump. This is more of a horde mode, from what I understand. But it's only twenty quid, so um, it's probably worth a punt of that, isn't it? Yeah, you should give it a go. So, if you get it, I'll get it. I'll we'll play it together. Okay, deal. Uh, Age of Empires Definitive Edition on Windows 10. Hands of God Smite Tactics. So that's been in preview, I think, hasn't it? And that's coming out properly next week. Uh, Symmetry and uh, Tiles on ID. A lot of ID games next week. Defenders Quest Valley of the Forgotten DX. Rad Rogers and Xenon Valkyrie Plus on Wednesday. Uh, Metal Gear Survive for us in Europe on Thursday. 8-Bit Armies. 8-Bit Armies Collector's Edition. ACA Neo Geo Magical Drop 3. Uh, that I think I'll probably miss most of them, to be honest. Metal Gear, if you get it, that'll do me. Yeah. Okay, that is it for this week. If you want to enter our competition to win a code in the comments this week, just uh, tell us something about what we've done. Tell us something you like about the TA community. Talk about VR. Post your answers to some of the questions we answered. Let us know what you think. Yeah. And I'll enter and we'll draw that next Friday before we record next week's podcast. So thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Jack. Thanks for joining us, Ollie. No problem. And uh, like we say every time, Richie's off. Hopefully he'll be back next week, but I suppose it depends how he's uh, Ollie throws his. <laughs> All right, see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.